to the Cover 2 with Philip Jordan. Philip and friends break down the latest news in college and professional football every week. So let's get this thing started and snap the football. Hut, hut, Welcome in, everybody, to Episode 5 of the Cover 2 with Philip Jordan. A couple weeks ago, I replayed a conversation I had last summer with 1988 All-American Georgia tight end Troy Sadowski, and he played nine years in the NFL, too. He is back on. This is a fresh, new interview with Troy. We're going to be talking about the Georgia Bulldogs and get his take on the transfer portal. Really interesting takes Troy had here on both topics. Before I do that, let you guys know you can find me and the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at TheFieldJordan. Find the show on Facebook. Just look up the Cover 2 Football Podcast or at Cover 2 Philip Jordan. Very easy to find. Look up my photography page. You want to check that out, Philip Jordan Photography. Once again, very easy to find. Check out all my work over at Last Word on College Football, where I mainly talk about the Auburn Tigers, but I do venture out every now and then talk other college football topics on there. If you have any suggestions for the show when it comes to guests or topics or just any questions in general, you can email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. And then the podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spreaker, TuneIn, and YouTube. Also now on Spotify. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of the show, good or bad. Well, guys, let's talk some Georgia football with Troy Sadowski. Everybody joining me now on the cover two is Troy Sadowski, 1988 All-American tight end for the Georgia Bulldogs and also spent nine years in the National Football League. Uh, Troy, it's been a while since we uh, we spoke here on the podcast, but uh, I hope all is well and uh, thanks for joining me this week. Everything's fantastic. I'm glad to be back. But when you said 1988, that makes me feel really old now. Um, well... 80s were a good time. I'm sure it was a fun year that year. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. We're going to talk. I think we're going to jump on a bunch of topics, especially pertaining uh, toward, you know, about the Georgia Bulldogs. And I guess I wanted to start off with most recent news related to Georgia. And I think this is a bigger deal on the Auburn side of things. But, you know, you know, you played at Georgia. You played in the rivalry, Auburn, Georgia. It's, it's, you know, I'm used to it my whole life as being in November before the Alabama game when Auburn plays Georgia. Just what are your thoughts then moving that game out of that spot and potentially putting it in September or October? I thought it was a little bizarre because it has always been a fixture uh, on the schedule uh, for, for Georgia, uh, you know, to finish up. Uh, with Auburn and Tech that way, and now I mean I, I just don't know if it's going to be uh, an advantage or disadvantage for either team. I don't. Maybe so. It depends on uh, you know home field. Uh, I know that they were talking about trying to keep away from certain back-to-back games with Auburn, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Alabama, things like that. I don't know. I really haven't studied it enough and looked at it enough to see uh, who it's going to benefit the most. Yeah, I guess for me, I guess me living here in Alabama, it just feels like that was an it was more of an Auburn thing, maybe because you know playing because how good Georgia is now, and you're dealing with Nick Saban too, playing them so close to each other, maybe took out Auburn. Uh, a lot of people think that 
two years ago when they lost the Georgia SEC championship game. Playing Georgia Alabama those back to back games took a lot out of them. I don't know. It just feels like this is more for just for me. Just kind of what I'm hearing people say around here in the state that it was more. It's more beneficial for Auburn to move it back early in the year than maybe Georgia. Well, I mean, it, um, looking at it and thinking about it a little bit more, uh, I can understand what you're saying as far as uh, benefiting for, for Auburn. And, but it's just it, – it's, it's odd that it would come in the 2020 season, but them – you know, how, how it came about how mm-hmm. it was brought to the SEC, the, the conference, and for them to make a decision on it. You know, of course, the Georgia fans are thinking that it's just Gus, Gus Malzahn whining and he wants his way. Uh, but I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of underlying reasons to why, uh, and those will probably unravel uh, when football season starts coming around again. Yeah, if uh, all, some Auburn fans get their way, he may not get to see 2020 when it's in a different spot, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not going to get off on Gus Malzahn today because we won't even get to the Georgia stuff. So, uh, uh, if of Georgia, the way the season ended for me was curious. Not the Alabama loss in SEC championship, which I'm going to get to that with you too. But, you know, losing to Texas the way they did and – and then you know there were some players to, you know departing Georgia and not Justin Fields transferring but you know you had Nico Hardman leaving Riley Ridley Isaiah Holyfield you know Isaac Nada some players I mean I all think those are fantastic and really good players but I kind of was wondering why are you leaving because I'm not sure you're if you, they have came back I think they could be better draft picks if they came back for another year compete for a championship with Georgia just what was your read on how everything kind of ended. The, the way it did with Georgia. Uh, again, I'm going to use the word bizarre. Uh, that wasn't, uh, you know, when the the team started the season, I'm sure that wasn't how they wanted to finish up. Uh, I saw a lackluster performance in the Sugar Bowl versus Texas. Uh, the sad thing is, is that as uh, horrible as they played, they still had an opportunity to win the game, which is kind of scary. They would have had their minds in it the entire time. Uh, they probably could have pulled out a win there. But um, people leaving early, it seems to be one of those things these days that uh, that's what players do. They feel that they get to a point uh, that somebody has advised them that they're not going to uh, better their draft stock uh, by staying around another year. They could potentially get hurt and lose that opportunity to go to the next level. Uh, So they go ahead and make a decision to leave. Uh, I am a big believer that uh, when I give my word, when I I told Coach Dooley that I was going to play football at the University of Georgia, that I'm going to be there the duration of my eligibility, and I'm going to do that. Uh, Being able to put that uh, iconic Georgia helmet on uh, and where that G one more time was just uh, that that was a big deal for people back then. Now, it doesn't seem to be that way. So uh, I, I wish them the best uh, when it comes to making it, you know, that attempt to that next level, uh, because it, I mean, it, it is a tough jump. Um, I wish they would have stayed around because these uh, guys, um, they, they could have really had something special if they came back for one more year. 
Yeah, and uh, looking at Isaac Knott, I play tight end, your position, just uh, and you know, you play in the league. So, what is your thoughts on him making that jump to the National Football League? I think he's a uh, is a phenomenal player. Uh, I think that he could get a little bit better when it comes to pass protection, blocking, especially on the point of attack. But the, he he definitely has the skills and the ability to make it to that next level. Uh, I just wish that he. I uh, would have come back, work a little bit more on those things. Uh, and who knows? I mean, I've heard his name being tossed around as a, a potential middle to late first round pick, second round, third round. Who knows? It just, uh, uh, you're going to have to wait for the draft. And I'm sure that uh, a lot of these guys have uh, received their invitations to the NFL Combine. That'll give them another chance to, to go out there and, and show their stuff in front of all the scouts and the coaches. And then, of course, they have the pro days where the teams come in. Uh, they'll come into Athens and they'll watch the players work out uh, individually there as well. You know, and it, I, I kind of alluded to a little bit a few minutes ago, but the, the Alabama loss in the SEC championship game, and of course, the year after you lost in the national championship game, both times double digit. You know, leads were lost by Georgia. They let out. You know, Alabama came back on them. They you know gave up those big leads. And uh, my question for you about that is because I honestly, I mean, right now we're sitting here in the February, but I do believe Alabama and Georgia will play again in 2019 for the SEC championship. So let's you know let's kind of play a what if game, I guess. If Georgia goes in that game and they have a lead once again on Alabama. You know, as someone has played the game, is that something that can creep into your mind, though? You now, two times in a row, you weren't able to close the deal against the team. Is that something that might creep into your mind once again? And how do you fight against that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that will always be in the back of their minds, that, uh, the, those two uh, losses and those big games like that. But I know that... Uh, uh, Kirby has been working with these kids and he's trying uh, to get that stuff out of their minds. Um, there is a new, renewed, uh, bigger an attitude when it comes to uh, uh, the players these days. I know that uh, a former player that I played with, Tim Worley, had some very choice words and uh, things that uh, he made public after that. Uh, Sugar Bowl loss and how this uh, football team was not a team. There was more of I, 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 me, me, me than team, team, team. And I know that uh, that Kirby and them have talked about that. And I think that they're addressing those things. But uh, I feel that, that uh, Alabama and, and Georgia, again, are on a, they'll be on a collision course. Uh, and I think this time uh, the Georgia players will get over that hump uh, and things will be different from that point. Now, um, will they see each other in the SEC championship? I think so. And I think they could see each other again in the playoffs as well. Yeah, and I think the one thing I took away the most for Georgia in that, in that SEC championship game, I know they lost, but I think they, in a way, gave Clemson a blueprint on what to do with Tua. I mean, Oklahoma defensively just, I don't think, able to do it. He seemed now, I have seen, he is a quarterback that's rhythm. And Georgia did a good job there of knocking him off his rhythm. And if I don't think if he doesn't improve that on being able to more, when things go off schedule, Georgia is talented enough to give him issues with that once again. 
and, and I agree with you. They uh, they did knock him off of his rhythm. And uh, as a quarterback, it has a lot to do with timing. Um, and they disrupted his timing by putting pressure on him and making him move around. Now, uh, making him move around in certain ways, uh, that that's, that's kind of like a potluck thing because uh, Tua is a very good quarterback uh, when he is on the move especially when he's rolling to his left side because he's a left-hander. But they were able to put pressure on him up the middle and make him do things that he wasn't comfortable doing, and it did expose that. And I think that you saw the same thing uh, with Clemson. And that game, that national championship game, I don't think anybody in the country was going to beat Clemson that night. I heard it said, and I believe this, it looked like Clemson had prepared for Alabama for a month and Alabama prepared for a week. Oh, I completely agree with that. That uh, that was something, uh, you know, and, and that's one of the big arguments when it comes to the SEC versus the ACC. Uh, how would Clemson fare playing an SEC-type schedule? Uh, I, the world I may it. never know. I think they do okay <laughs> with that talent. I think, I think they would be they, I good. I think they would too. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, Dabo Sweeney fan. Uh, a lot of people don't like him. I think that that's that same thing with Nick Saban. They're successful. They win, uh, and that's what the bottom line is. They're winners. You know, and you know, talk about those guys, and that's where Kirby wants to get with Georgia. He wants to get that championship, get to that level that Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney's at. Just how close do you think they are to that? And, and just you know, overall, what's your thoughts after three years of Kirby? Is there anything else uh, he needs to improve on there at Georgia? They are knocking on the door, um, and I think that they're uh, a football program that is ready to take that next step to elite status. Uh, the way they've been recruiting the past three seasons has been phenomenal. They've been able to ma- uh, match tit for tat with Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama, and I, I think they've come out. They've been in the top three uh, classes the last three years, and it's starting to show they are putting together uh, a very powerful football team. Uh, not only is it going to be powerful, it's going to be deep. They got a lot of players that can play some football. And as they mature, when it comes to playing major college football, especially in the SEC, I think you're going to see a team uh, that will be dominant. And, you know, and it, we're going to interesting with the offense, how much is going to look different? Because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of shocked that Jim Chaney left to go to Tennessee. Now, I, I read some pe- stuff and some people, you know, maybe there was, I don't know if there was any issues with there with Jim Chaney and the offense. Just uh, what are you expecting now with, you know, him not being there offensively uh, for Georgia? And uh, do you think there were any issues within the locker room with him? You know, I don't know. I know that with the fan base, there was a lot of people that uh, uh, expressed some displeasure when it came to his play calling. Um I can't speak for that. Uh, I'm not in, able to put myself into the seat or the mind of uh, uh, an offensive coordinator when it comes to what they're seeing uh, and versus the play calling. Uh, I know that uh, the, the new 
coordinator. Uh, it, it, people are expecting him to open it up a little bit more. Uh, I was listening to um, Brandon Adams, um, his dog nation, and they were talking about teams and that their percentages and how many uh, long balls that they throw over 20 yards per game. And that, you know, teams like Clemson and Oklahoma and Alabama, uh, they had uh, a little bit higher ratio when it comes to passes over 20 yards, whereas Georgia didn't have that. And how that, uh, pushing that ball downfield, how it opens up. And that's one of the things that I was really disappointed at last year with our team. I thought we had the talent to push the ball down the field. I don't think we really tried as much as we should have. And I think that was reflective in uh, the play calling. The, uh, you know, the theory of, hey, I'm going to pound the football uh, and make you come up and then I'm going to throw a deep. We never saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never really saw that. I think Georgia had some of the players with uh, Hardman and uh, Ridley and, and Holloman. I mean, Holloman, he's like six foot five. You know, those back shoulder uh, throws down the field. Uh, you would think that that, that uh, they would be able to hit at least two or three of those a game. Uh, I think that that would light. You know, the teams tend to uh, load the box versus Georgia because they know that their play calling is going to be heavy run. Um, so they do that. we got to loosen these defenses up a little bit. And those down-the-field throws, I think, will help that. And I think that's what Jake Fromm is looking for uh, out of this new coordinator. Yeah, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to me with Georgia see the receiver core, you know, how that shakes out. Because, you know, we mentioned, you know, Ridley's going to be gone, Hardman's gone, Godwin, you know, and tight end. Isaac Nata, so finding new guys to step up and be the go-to guys in the offense at receiver. That's going to be an interesting storyline, I think, through spring and fall going into next season as well. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for some of these young guys to step up and, and show uh, Kirby and the staff that they are the ones uh, that need to have the playing time, need to get that playing time, get those opportunities. Almost definitely. Um, now I want to transition to a topic, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit uh, off air before we got to recording here on the podcast. And, you know, first it starts off with Justin Fields transferring, you know, just you know couldn't beat out Jake Fromm so he's heading to Ohio State you know, and I told you off here I just didn't feel like you know they found a loophole for him to be able to play next season I don't feel like he should he should have to sit out uh, that's not a circumstance I don't think that you know where he should automatically get to play uh, I know uh, you have a, a take on the uh, transfer stuff just what's your I mean and you mentioned it to me before our quarter free agency in college football and I think you're going down a slippery slope here with college football if you continue with this trend that's going with the transfers oh I agree I am not a big fan of the uh, transfer portal I, I do think it is bringing in uh, free agency into the college uh, or the collegiate atmosphere, and I think that uh, Pandora's box is going to be open. And I think Justin Fields, I uh, wish him the best, but I think that uh, they have laid a blueprint on how this is going to happen. And I would not be shocked in the near future that we see a, a football player. And it might it, it might be another sport. I don't know, but I'm just going to say football. 
that could play for four different schools, win four different conference championships, and win four national championships. Because all they have to do is transfer to another school that where they feel that they have a better opportunity and they can just use that blueprint that uh, Justin Fields and his attorney have laid for everybody to watch um, and just say, hey, it's a better atmosphere for me. And they use that as the excuse. I would not be shocked to see players doing that. Yeah, because it was just interesting just, you know, after the season ended, all the you know, and I know it's not just quarterbacks doing it, but I mean that's the the big position you keep an eye on with all the transfers. Um, you know, like a Jalen Hurt situation. You know, he's graduated; he's a graduate transfer. He wants to continue playing. You know, I'm okay with that. And like, if you had a you know a relative sick or close by, we mentioned talked about that before we got recording here this evening. Uh, that's the situation, but just going somewhere just because I guess you can't beat somebody out. That's just, you know, I think that kind of gets away from, I think, what college athletics is supposed to be about. Oh, absolutely. And to, to go back to uh, the Georgia situation with Fromm and Fields, uh, I have a very reliable source that I, that I won't, I won't throw them under the bus, but um, that, it said that the the Georgia staff, Kirby and the staff, gave uh, Justin Fields the opportunity to compete for the starting job. And over the the spring that he was there, and the preseason and everything, and during the season, he could not close that gap on Jake Fromm, and that was one of the biggest reasons why he, they couldn't make the switch. Now that has a lot to do with. Uh, reading defenses, processing defenses, and what the defense is trying to do to you, your offensive game plan, leadership, uh, all that is a factor in, you know, who the better quarterback is. And he could never close that gap. And I understand that. I mean, he was he was a true freshman. Uh, it's, it's rare that you have a guy that can come in and do that. Uh, you know, Jake Fromm had that ability and had that opportunity to do that when Jacob Eason got hurt, but uh, give Jake Fromm some credit. Uh, he uh, fought off Eason and fought off Fields and kept the position himself. So it's going to be really interesting this year to see him and see how he develops because he's not going to have to look over his shoulder and say, hey, what about the guy behind me? Hey, so he'll have, full, he'll have full control of the offense, and I think it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and, you know, if you talk about Eason, I'm going to intrigue see how he does at Washington because, you know, I would assume he ends up being the starter there uh, with Chris Peterson. Um, I think he's a he's a talent, too. I think I've seen some uh, NFL uh, draft guru or expert say, like, during the season, they think there could be a draft where Fromm and Eason are the first two quarterbacks taken, and that would be an interesting storyline for Georgia because Eason was there at one time, too. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, or maybe they, uh, make it to the playoffs and they see each other and play against each other in the playoffs. That'd be, that would be an interesting battle as well. You know, and I'll say this with their situation, you know, from the previous season, 
they both handled that with class, you know, and I think Eason didn't try to make himself, you know, make a big story out of it, uh, him losing a job and then his transfer. I, I was really impressed with how both those kids handled that whole situation, too. Uh, oh, absolutely. And uh, big ups to Jacob Eason. He didn't make anything a distraction. Uh, and then it's a uh, Mercedes Benz Dome in Atlanta after Georgia lost. Uh, the first person that was waiting uh, in the tunnel to greet Jake Fromm was Jacob Eason. And, and I think that speaks volumes of him as a friend and as a player and a teammate that he sat there and waited on Jake Fromm. And he was the first person that when he walked into the tunnel, he saw and they, uh, he gave him a hug, his arm around him and walked him into the locker room. Um, another guy that I, uh, I wish him the best. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I'm intrigued to see him play in Washington, how he can, uh, do out there and should be a good team. Anyways, um, before we close this out, you know, I told you before we got to do a new segment called five questions, five fun questions, uh, to end the conversation. So are you ready uh, for five questions? Yes, sir. Fire away. It's the who, what, where, when, why, and how. Let's find out what's on the mind of today's guest with five questions on the Cover 2 Football Report. All right. The first question is, and this one could be college or your pro career, your best win in college or pros? Best win in college probably would have been the 1985 Florida-Georgia game uh, when they were ranked number one in the country. And we came in and ended up beating them 24-3. to As far as uh, pro level, I would say um, in Pittsburgh when uh, we beat the New England Patriots in the divisional playoff game, which vaulted us to the AFC Championship game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number two, outside of football, uh, what was your favorite sport? Baseball. Uh, my dad was a professional baseball player for the uh, Milwaukee Braves and the Boston Red Sox. I had two uncles uh, that also played. So there was Ed, Ted, and Bob. And we were a, a sports-oriented family. Uh, baseball was number one. Uh, but I really enjoyed that. Some of my earliest childhood memories was going down to Murphy Candler Park uh, and my dad throwing me uh, trash cans full of baseballs. And uh, how is an eight, nine, ten-year-old little boy uh, seeing your dad on the mound like that and throwing you uh, 85, 90 mile an hour fastballs? <laughs> uh, those those were some uh, beautiful times. Okay, uh, favorite stadium you ever played at as a visitor? As a visitor, probably would have been uh, Jordan Hare. Uh, phenomenal atmosphere, very intense atmosphere, and extremely loud. They, they have a, a great fan base, and that is one of the loudest stadiums. Uh, when they get uh, behind their team and very difficult to play. We did have that opportunity, and we went over there and beat them in Jordan here. Um, 
so that uh, we quieted the stadium down uh, pretty quickly that game. Yeah, Jordan Hare can be loud. I've I've been there a couple times. It is a loud environment. Um, number eight seven. Was there a story or a reason behind the number? No. Um, when uh, when I was in high school, I used to wear number eighty, and um, the reason I wore that, my favorite player was Kellen Winslow, tight end for the San Diego Chargers. But when I got to uh, the University of Georgia, um, eighty was already taken, so there needed to be another uh, eighty number available. And at that time, eighty-seven was the next available one. So that's the one that I was stuck with. All right. Now, this is a Athens question. And I, I asked this question, or uh, just related to this kind of question, to everybody. So if you're going through Athens, what is the best place to find some food? Weaver D's. Um, if you like uh, fried chicken, southern cooking, uh, Weaver D's uh, is the best place to find that. Okay, you know, I, I love my fried chicken. So if I'm ever in Athens for a game, I have to I have to make sure to stop look, there. Look, absolutely, you he they will not disappoint. I'll take your word for it on that one. And uh, I appreciate you uh, taking time out to be on this week's episode of the Cover Two. It was a lot of fun talking uh, Georgia football and just college football. Would you? Um, so, what's going on nowadays? Uh, what you got going on? Well, I just doing my work. Uh, you know, I have, have uh, Cornerstone State planning, and we uh, work with the, uh, the the Free Will Baptist Foundation, uh, and we travel around and do estate planning. Uh, in the local churches with their around them. I think we've been to about uh, probably 20 states that we've been to but uh, just traveling doing work and uh, always uh, just trying to stay ahead trying to trying to make it in this world but uh, I really do appreciate uh, the opportunities to come on and uh, talk with you guys and uh, in the future if you guys need me for anything please do not hesitate to reach out and call. I will. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be on the show, and I'm sure we'll talk some more Georgia football sometime down the road as we get closer to the season and all that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Go dog. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of the Cover 2 with Philip Jordan. Thanks again for everybody checking out the show. Maybe you can follow me on Twitter at Jordan. You can find the show on Facebook. Let's look up the Cover 2 football podcast or at cover to philip jordan uh, you can find the show on apple Podcasts, google play music soundcloud spreaker tune in and youtube also on spotify and if you are on apple Podcasts, please subscribe rate and review the show really appreciate five stars and if you leave a review i will read it on a future edition of the show if you have any comments or questions you can email me at sports talk philip jordan at gmail.com and please make sure to check out all my work for last word on college football talking about auburn tigers in college football as a whole and i have a photography page philip jordan photography very easy to find on facebook anyways guys until next time bye bye Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 with Philip Jordan. Tune in next week for more great college and professional football talk. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.